Hi, good evening. This is uh, Yerushalayim, 8 o'clock Wednesday night. We're going to look at the parasha this week. The parasha is Tazriya uh, Mitzorah. I'd like to uh, mention that uh, this shir is dedicatedly Louis de Schmatt in memory of David ben Gabriel Upeshazal in memory of Daniel Leitman and his wife. Uh, Daniel Leitman was uh, part of the family of the yeshiva in Bruria at the very beginning, always willing to help. And most importantly, he sent children, his children, to the yeshiva uh, and to Bruria. And we're forever thankful for that. What we're going to talk about this week, the name of the parasha is Tazria Mitzora, two parashiyot. Both have to do with, uh, to some extent, the second parasha a little bit more. They have to do with, uh, with leprosy. I don't really know, I can't say that I know what leprosy is, but I, it seems to me to always be a, like a pretty bad thing something you wouldn't want to get involved in, uh, leprosy. And there are mitzvot uh, uh, that are connected to curing the lepro leprosy. And uh, we cure the leprosy with the help of a kohen. It's the kohen that uh, serves as the medical professional in this particular case. But what I want to talk about is the cases of leprosy that are mentioned in the Tanakh, one in the Torah, as you, as you all remember, and uh, two others. So the, but before we start, before we start, I'd like to introduce with a statement from the Rambam in the Guide to the Perplex, the third section, chapter 47. So the Rambam undertook in uh, in the Morinavuchim to explain category by category the need for and the principles of the mitzvot that we try to fulfill. We try to live with them. So the Rambam says there in, a, in the translation that I have, the uncleanly the uncleanness through leprosy we have already explained our sages have also clearly stated the meaning thereof in other words why leprosy what's the point of the leprosy and all agree that leprosy is a punishment for slander lashon hara uh, this is true, certainly about one of the cases, as we will see. But the Ramam is true, is, is correct, that uh, leprosy and Lashon Hara somehow are connected to each other in the tradition of Chazal. The disease begins in the walls of the house. And now the Ramam is talking about the description given for leprosy in the parashiyot of Tazria Mitzora. The disease begins in the walls of the houses. Now, the walls of the houses are not living things. 
they don't uh, they don't act as uh, as the viruses do it's a all agree that leprosy is a punishment for slander the disease begins in the walls of the house if the sinner repents the object is attained if he remains in his disobedience disobedience meaning to mitzvot he's still not doing the mitzvot the disease affects his bed and house furniture if he still continues to sin the leprosy attacks his own garments and then his body so that leprosy is a kind of a strange illness it goes from the impossible to the possible from the impossible that is to say the walls get it first unreasonable why would the walls be punished and then after the walls uh his bed and his house furniture finally his garments and then his body so the Ramam says about this this is a description of what happens what the torah says this is what the torah says this is a miracle received in our nation by tradition in the same manner as the effect of the trial of a faithless wife in other words a woman who is classified as a sota somebody a woman who allowed herself to be in a in a position where the husband suspects her of an indiscretion the gemara says about uh, you know and so, and so in, in other words the uh, the um, the sota the isha sota is uncovered in a miraculous way and she's also punished in a miraculous, miraculous way after the husband comes and says he suspects his wife so we we give her this potion that's prepared by the kohanim and that potion has the power of affecting clarity affecting clarity yes she did it no she didn't it's a, it's a situation where the bait din the bait din can't decide i mean how's the bait wasn't there they weren't really there they understand this circumstantial evidence which seems to indicate that this woman did do it or that this woman did not do it but they have no way of determining along comes the torah and the torah says there is a way of determining where the truth lies and that's called drinking the soda water right you drink the soda water you're able to determine what the nature of this woman what the nature of this woman's transgression was so he says well the same thing seems to be true about lashon hara the rambam the rabbi says I mean, this is that if if a woman is suspected or a man i didn't mean a woman of a man a woman is suspected of lashon hara so you go through this process where first the torah afflicts him or her and fix the walls and if she they still don't tell the truth then 
other things are afflicted until finally, finally the, uh, uh, as the Rambam says, uh, his garments and his body. So that this is uh, the leprosy, the tsarat, clarifies the reality it as far as Lashon Hara, slander, is concerned. The Rambam goes on and he says the following, that uh, the, the good effect of this, uh, I'm sorry, this is a miracle received in our nation by tradition in the same manner as the effect of the trial of a faithless wife. In, in, in other words, there are miracles. Miracles are meta-halachic. You can't, you can't expect the Beit Din, the court of law, to make this, to adjudicate this matter. How is the court of law supposed to know that the Isha Sota is guilty or innocent? How is the court of law supposed to know that he did talk Lush and Hara or he didn't? The details of Lush and Hara are very complex. So we don't know, but the, but the Ramam compares these two things. The good effect of this belief is evident. Leprosy is besides a contagious disease and people almost naturally abhor it and keep away from it. The purification was affected by cedar wood, hyssop, scarlet thread, and two birds, birds. He says there's a little kind of project that making this happen. You need uh, various ingredients. And he says about those ingredients, he said their reason is stated in various Midrashic sayings, but the explanation does not agree with our theory. I do not know, he says, he says it's, I, I have a theory. I mean, I understand that this is the way of resolving the question resolving the question of slander. He says, I do not know at present the reason of any of these things, nor why cedarwood, hyssop, and scarlet were used in the sacrifice of the red heifer. I don't know that either. Nor why a bundle of hyssop, azor, a bundle of hyssop was commanded for the sprinkling of the blood of the Passover lamb. I cannot find any principle upon which to found an explanation why these particular things have been chosen so that the Rambam goes out of his way to remind us that all that these things, right, the Mesota, the water that Soto drinks and the leprosy that we find in the, in the possessions, in the house of the possessions of the body of the, of the slanderer, well, you have, they have to go through a certain process, and the Ramam says it's a mystery to me. So that not only, not only are these things decided by heaven, right? The Mesota and the uh, and the slanderer, and only in heaven do they decide guilty or innocent. But the method of the way the, that we do it, the way we go about it, well, the Ramam has no explanation doesn't know why we use this kind of vessel and this kind of, of brush and that kind of wood. He just doesn't get it. doesn't get why this should be part of the command. So you see for the Ramam, 
we see from the Rambam that there are two aspects to Tzarat. If we just get back to Tzarat, what is the fact that it's not the Beitin that decides if somebody is guilty of slander, but that decision seems to come from heaven. It's miraculous. It's a wonder, right? That's the, the first thing. And the second thing is that there are elements of this process that the Kohen leads, there are ele- the, the elements of that process, which enables which enables the Kohen to do what he has to do, but doesn't give us any way of understanding. That's the Rambam. That's what the Rambam says in the, in the end of the 47th chapter, in the third section of the Mora and the Buchim. Now, the first character in the Torah, and the first character in the world, perhaps, to be the center, to be to be the center of a Sarat incident, of course, as you know, was Miriam Hanaviyah, Miriam, the sister of Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, so, in the story, I mean, Miriam comes with Aaron and says something about Moshe Rabbeinu. Says that Kaddish Baruch Hu, Moshe Rabbeinu, I mean, there's something wrong with him. He doesn't get it. He has a wife. He has a family, but he doesn't spend any time with them. He doesn't give them any attention. It's not a good thing. So, so the the psukim say. I'm looking at the psukim on the sheet. If you have a sheet, um, otherwise, just try to pay attention. Right. God spoke to Moshe and Aaron and Miriam. Uh, and he says, go out, all of you, the three of you, to the tent of meeting. And they went out. And and God came down in a, uh, in a pillar of a cloud. And he stood before the opening of the, of the tent. And he and he called to Miriam and Aaron, so that uh, this is where the story starts getting interesting. Listen to me, he said. I want you to understand what we're talking about. If we're talking about a prophet, then I speak to a prophet in a vision, in a, in a dream. Lokein Abdi Moshe, Bechol Beiti Neman, who God says to Miriam and Aaron, Moshe Rabbeinu, is different. He is trustworthy. He is close to me. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu, for the next thousands of years, played the role of saying, oh, if I could only be like that, if I could be like Moshe Rabbeinu. That became a kind of a what? Uh, uh, a, a, a flag of various Jews. That's what I'm up to. Well, well, Pe el pe Rashi, 
אמרתי לו לפרוש מן האישה, והיכן אמרתי לו? בסיני, לך אמור להם שוב אליכם לא עליכם, ואתה פה כעניין של אצטרה. So Elohim HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Miriam and Aaron, I'm the one who permitted, encouraged Moshe Rabbeinu to stay away from his wife, to concentrate on what he was uniquely able to do, so that, that this, is not, this is like a very kind of strange slander. This is something that would be true or would be mentioned if it had to do with anybody else except for Moshe Rabbeinu. But since it's Moshe Rabbeinu, HaKadosh Baruch said, you shouldn't have done it. I'm the one who gave him this permission. Pasuk Tet Veichar Af Hashem Bam Vayelech and God was angry with them because they were not sensitive to who Moshe Rabbeinu was and what he was obliged to avoid doing. Pasuk Yud Vanan Sarmi Al HaOel the cloud left the oil, the tent, and Miriam herself was Tzorat, she was like snow. Right? So Aaron looked at Miriam and saw that suddenly she was leprous. Now, what the difference in the story between what Miriam did and what Aaron did is not perfectly clear, but it seems to be. It seems to be uh, that that Miriam was the dominant personality here. She's the person who's accused. She's the person who's punished. She is the person who created the idea that leprosy had something to do with Lashon Hara. It was her. She did this. Uh, okay, okay. So we so we we learned about we learned about uh, Miriam, but there are at least two others who are uh, who became leprous, and their story is related in the in the Tanakh. So if you look at the second page, there are a few psukim that we might look at. Mlochem Beit Chazi. No, I want to look at the second, the second uh, uh, section on the second page. Then we'll get back to Gechazi. So what happened? He got angry, Uzziah. He was holding on to uh, some kind of a vessel that they used to give the Ketoret, the, 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 uh, that you cooked up the Ketoret, the, the special, uh, the special offering that went along with other uh, uh, offerings, lahaktir, ubizaapo im hakohanim, 
angry at the Kohanim that were preventing him from doing what he wanted to do, to be kind of the Kohen. So here is the Uziah, the king, who is trying to, who is trying to uh, uh, change something, to change his position, to take over for the Kohanim, and he was willing, he was prepared and willing to to enter into a physical fight with them. He says, so Rashi says, Ratzala hakot bo. He wanted to fight against, to beat against the Kohen who was stopping him from giving this Ketoret. Pasuk, uh, the next Pasuk, Pasuk Kaf, Vayifene Lav Azaryahu, Kohen Harosh, Vikola Kohanim, they, they looked at him the Kohen, the the chief Kohen, and all the others, all the other Kohanim, Hashem. And so he ki Hashem. So he became his punishment on the spot was that he became a mitzora? He became a mitzora, mitzora b'mitzcho on his forehead. Vayavhilu bishama. They ran away. They were all scared. Vegam hu nitchaf latzeit ki nigol Hashem, and he was also filled with fear because God uh, attacked him. God caused this to happen. This is the story of Uziyahu. Finally, pasuk kaf aleph. It was a kind of Tzorat that didn't go away. We know that Miriam, her Tzorat, went away in a week. It was a command from Hashem. Al Beit HaMelech Shofet et Am Haaretz. Yotam, the name of his son, became the king in his place because he was unable to perform. And then, Pasuk Kavbet, we had to derei Uziyahu, Arishonim v'achronim, Katab Yishayahu ben Amotz HaNavi. So we have this uh, interesting story. Somebody else who tried to usurp the uh, who used, tried to usurp the power or the authority of the Kohen Gadol and bring the Ketoret sacrifice. His punishment came from heaven. Again, his punishment came from heaven. And uh, the punishment uh, was Tzorat, Tzorat HaMetzach. The third case... The third case is the case of Gehazi. Gehazi, a strange name, but the name of Pasukaf, the the first source on the second page. 
Right, Elisha, you know, was a a great prophet who came after who became was a Talmud of and took the place of Eliyahu Anavi. So Gechazi had a had a job. He was Elisha's helper. He helped he helped Elisha. Uh, Isha Elohim, he was the man of God, with God. So this is, uh, you have to know the, you have to know the background. Naaman, who was a non-Jewish officer of the Aramean army, had Sarat. And he heard that there was somebody in, uh, in Israel, in the land of Canaan, a prophet, who could cure him. And after some negotiation, to pay money or not to pay money, he came and Elisha cured him. He told him to go to the river to 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 uh, immerse himself in the waters, and everything will be all right. Okay, up to here, it's a kind of a pleasant story. But what happened after that was that Naaman, in the manner of people who are rich, said that he has to repay Elisha for what he did for him. He cured him after all of this. Sarat. So he, he said, look, Elisha, I've got all this stuff I brought with me in the, in the hope that you would be successful and that I would be able to share all these presents with you. So Elisha said, no, I don't want anything. I don't want your stuff. I don't want, uh, I, don't, I don't need it. Uh, I'm happy to do what I did, but uh, I don't want to be beholden to you. He had a good model also, you know, Avram Avinu, after the the battle with the kings and they were satisfied they were happy the winners there was a winner and led by Avram Avinu so uh, Avram Avinu said no I don't I don't want anything even the smallest thing I don't want to get from you you know, you know that there are these ideas so that people should not create dependencies and so that you know that even if somebody gives you something, gives you for, for free, he say thinks he owes it to you. Nevertheless, it can be problematic in the long run. So Avram Avinu said, "I don't want it," and Elisha also said, "I don't want it." So Naaman left, Elisha left, and Gechazi couldn't understand what's going on. Here's Naaman. He said, "I'll give you." Uh, I'll give you something, I'll pay you, I'll give you a, your favorite charities, we'll be able to benefit. And they left without the, any transaction happening. So Gechazi, Gechazi, uh, uh, Gechazi told the following story. Bayome Gechazi, and he said, Nara Elisha, Isha Elohim, Hine chashach Adoni et Naaman, 
RME. He says, you saved him. You saved him. RME has miyado. You didn't want to take anything from him. Et asher hevi chai Hashem. Whatever he brought, he brought that to give to you. Ki im ratzli acharav velakati meito meuma. He says, so, so as I saw this going on, I, I didn't understand it. So I ran after him, right? And lakachti meito meuma. Rashi says, chaser aleph. Right, do you see that Rashi? The first Rashi. Me'uma, me'uma. Chaser Aleph. Chaser Aleph. Take off, take out the Aleph. I think is what it means. Take out the Aleph. If you take out the Aleph, so you end up, so you have another word. The other word is Mum, a blemish. Uh, the same thing is true. Altaslo Meuma with Avram Avinu and the angel, when the angel tells Avram Avinu not to sacrifice his son, but to leave him, leave him whole, leave him whole. Meuma, Meuma. Right. Lefisha So what what he's saying? What Gechazi is saying? I took from him and it ended up as a, a blemish in my character. He ran after Naaman, but he ran Naaman, Naaman saw him running after him like a Meshugane, but he pulled me al Merkava and he fell off of the or went down from the chariot, Likrato, Vayoma HaShaloma. Is everything all right? He said to him, are you happy? Are things all right? I mean, I recognize you because you were hanging around with Elisha. Vayoma Shalom Adoni. Shalom. Adoni Shalachani Lemor, my master has sent me. He means Elisha. Hineata Zeba Elai Shnein Arim. Mehar ha Ephraim, Mibneha Nevi'im, Trula lahem kikar kesef, Ushnei chalifot bigadim. So these two fellows just came from uh, from up north, and they, uh, uh, so, so, uh, so give them, give them what you brought, what you brought. Pasukah gimel v'yomen na'aman, o'il, 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 El kach kikarayim v'yifrotzbo v'yotzar kikarayim kesef v'shnei charitzim v'shnei chalifot b'gadim v'yitel shnei l'arav v'yisu l'fanav. So he did that. Naaman, he gave it to these two young guys who came along and Gechazi said that they were from the north. Right? So so they kind of the two guys who worked for Naaman were sent away. Right? Man. 
מאיינגי חזי, ויאמר לו, הלך עבדך אנה ואנה. He said, they, he said, well, what is this? What you, he came to Elisha, and he saw that they had, he had all this stuff. And he said, where'd you get all this stuff from? That's what Alicia said to Gechazi. So we see that that uh, in the two stories, in the two other stories, not the story about Miriam, but the other two stories, Tzarat uh, is a punishment, but not necessarily a punishment for Lashon Hara. Not necessarily a punishment for Lashon Hara, but a punishment for serious transgression. Uziyahu, serious transgression against, uh, serious uh, transgression against the Beit HaMikdash, against the order of things as they were supposed to be. And in the case of Gechazi, a person who insulted and denied the authority of the prophet and insisted that he could make those decisions, make those decisions on his own. So we'll get back to the Rambam. The Rambam and the guide to the perplexed. The Rambam says, this is a miracle. This is a miracle received in our nation by tradition in the same manner as the effect of the trial of a faithless wife. Now we know that in the case of the trial of a faithless wife, I mean, the Torah says she drinks this potion and the decision is rendered by whether she lives or dies. Uh, that's pretty good. That's really good, but we find in the Gemara, we find that later on, uh, not in the time of the Torah, but in the time of the Beit HaMikdash, that they stopped using this method to determine to determine whether the woman was guilty or innocent. So why did they stop using this method? So the Gemara in Sota, the Gemara in Sota says this, which means when there were many uh, many people who were not careful about the sexual activity and men would uh, would have sex with married women and single women and Rabu Haminafim a lot of people a lot of people in that category, Paskume Sota, Paskume Sota. The same thing is true de facto about uh, Tzarat. I mean, we don't know about Tzarat. It seems to have, have disappeared. So what, what is the Rambam? Why is it the Rambam doesn't quote this part of the comparison, but it's a continuation of the Rambam. 
is a continuation of what the Rambam said. That Mesota doesn't work anymore. And the Torah says it works, and we say it doesn't work. The Torah says somebody who does major transgressions will be punished in a ma- major way. Look at what happened with Gechazi. Gechazi, it says, V'tzorat na'aman tidbak b'cha b'zarecha la'olam. That you will be you will be punished with tzorat. You Gechazi, you will be punished with the tzorat of na'aman for generations. So what's the, why was it that Mesota didn't work, and why was it that the Tzorat seems to have disappeared? So the answer, the answer I think is straightforward. The answer, straightforward answer is this. If HaKadosh Baruch offers to purify the nation, HaKadosh Baruch offers us a way of determining that the suffering, that the doubt will be erased, and that you will live in a world where everybody is absolutely clear about what is happening. In that world, in that world, according to the Gemara, I mean, you have to deserve to be in that world. You don't just get it. You'll get it. There's an ongoing question. Do they deserve it? Mesota, it's not to find the guilty person. The Mesota is not there to find, I mean, uh, a lot of cases come up in uh, in the judgment, in the world of judgment where the Dayanim are simply not able to decide. They're not able to determine whether the people are guilty or innocent. So Allah comes to Kodesh Bohu says in the question of Sota, I'm going to give you a hand. I'm going to help you out. But then in parentheses, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to B'nai Yisrael, that's only true if you deserve it. If 99.9% of the people of Israel are not accused of dilettantishness, are not going to be accused of... Uh, doing something that they being someplace where they shouldn't be or doing something they shouldn't do. So then that one, that point one percent, that's when God will help you and make it a hundred percent as clear as it could possibly be that the, there are no women who are in that category. The same thing is true. The same thing true is about Mitzorah. If you can't decide, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help you. But when will HaKadosh Baruch Hu help you? Only, only when. Only when you have decided to help yourself. You've decided that there won't be any slanderers. You've decided that we will overcome the interest that we all seem to have in talking to the talk of Lashon Hara. So when that gets to be 99.9%, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu will show you that there still is somebody someplace who slanders and you'll be able to take care of that problem as well. So that on the one hand, the Torah wants us to exhibit a clarity in as far as possible about judgment, 
we can judge, we can make the judgment, but sometimes we know that we can't. In that case, we have to be deserving of divine intervention. We have to be deserving of God showing us the way, because if we don't, if we don't show that, if we're not that type of, of people, then Mitzarat turns into a punishment, but not a clarification. So you see that the difference, the difference between Miriam, Uziyahu, and Gehazi was that Miriam lived in a world where there were no slanderers. The only slander that we could point to was the slander of Miriam, Miriam's old slander, and she thought she was doing the right thing. It was a complex question. And so she had short-term mitzvah. Just so everybody should understand that the questions relating to Lashon Hara are difficult. That's what the Chavetz Chaim understood when he wrote his classic work on, uh, on, on slander. But when it came to, uh, to Uziah, it came to Uzia, it was also a punishment. He definitely did something wrong and therefore he was punished with Sarat until the day he died. Gehazi denied the authority of Elisha the prophet, did it in order to make some money. And so he too was punished physically in a terrible way where for generations his children his children, his grandchildren, etc., were all uh, were all mitzoraim. They were all lepers. So it's not always the same. Sometimes it's different. Sometimes we have the opportunity to compromise Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants to solve the problem, but we don't always allow it to happen. That's the notion of the parashiot of Tazria, or Mitzorah. All the best. Have a good evening.